We all know things are bad at the U.S.-Mexico border. They have to eventually get better at some point, right? Well, today on the podcast, we explain why the answer to that question is actually not necessarily. Hello, you're listening to On the Merits, the weekly news podcast from Bloomberg Law and Bloomberg Government. I'm your host, David Schultz. So as I was writing this, I was thinking about ways to illustrate how bad the situation at the border is. And I was doing all this research into data and facts and figures, but here's what I landed on. Our guest today, Bloomberg government reporter Ellen Gilmer, went down to South Texas recently to interview several Border Patrol agents on the job. And while she was there, she just happened to witness multiple groups of migrants actually being apprehended. And the kicker on this is that the number of migrant apprehensions has actually gone way down since just a year or two ago. This is one of those odd situations in American politics in which no one is happy with the status quo, but at the same time, changing the status quo seems kind of impossible. Last week, Republicans in the House unveiled their comprehensive border legislation, but with Democrats in charge of the Senate and the White House, no one actually believes it has any chance of becoming law, at least not as written. President Biden came into office two years ago promising to do a 180 on this issue, but a surprising amount of his predecessor's border policies are still in place today. The biggest development is probably that Title 42, the pandemic-era provision that allowed the U.S. to turn away asylum applicants, is expiring at the end of next week. I met up with Ellen after she got back from Texas at Bloomberg Government's bustling headquarters in downtown D.C. I wanted to find out if this will actually change the dynamic on the border or if the unsustainable status quo will continue to, well, sustain. First, I asked her to tell me exactly where in Texas she was. I was in the Rio Grande Valley, which is in far south Texas. I was mostly in the town of McAllen and along the border. I was there to see... One, a congressional field hearing that was happening down there, um, but more importantly, to do a ride along with the Border Patrol, to meet with some humanitarian workers in the region, and to meet with some other border officials and see what the situation is like down there right now. And I understand while you were there, you just happened to witness uh, some migrants being apprehended by the Border Patrol. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, while I was doing the ride-along, they apprehended first a group of five people, which included two children, Uh, later in the day a group of um, three adults, and, you know, these migrant apprehensions happen every single day in this region and and along much of the border, so it wasn't really surprising that that happened while I was on the ride-along. It'd be more surprising if it hadn't happened, Um, but it was definitely a a window into uh, the way things operate down there and and what we write about every day from Washington, D.C., to actually see on the ground what's going on. But I, I get the sense that, you know, the numbers of migrants who are apprehended at the border have been going down pretty uh, considerably. So were you surprised that you saw this apprehension happening, even though the, the numbers are trending pretty sharply downward? No, the numbers are have gone down at the beginning of this calendar year, but they're still very high. I mean, remember that, uh, you know, so we saw January, February numbers for border encounters go down pretty significantly, but they're starting at like a historically high level. So even what you're left with is still very, very high. So the number, the, the level of activity at the border is still very high. It kind of shifts between sectors. Um, so different sectors are busy at different times. And the Rio Grande Valley, where I was, wasn't the busiest sector while I was there. Um, but it still happened with activity. Yeah, I guess the, the lower numbers now speak more to how high the numbers were than what the situation is 
right now. And so let's get into that. I mean, it sounds like there have been really, really huge fluctuations just over the course of the last couple of years in the number of migrants being apprehended. What's driving that? Is it any one factor or is it sort of multifactorial to use a very fancy word? It's a ton of different factors for sure. And we can talk about the way it has fluctuated and how different factors played a role. Really briefly, 2020 encounters went way down. Um, at the southwest border, you saw like 400,000 people, um, which is considered a low number. Uh, what was happening that year, the pandemic started. So that was a big factor for those numbers going low. 2021, the numbers went high again, very high. Uh, a couple different things going on. Migration picked up again um, as people sort of figured out they didn't want to put their whole life on hold um, forever during the pandemic. The Biden administration, President Biden took office. Uh, he pledged to do away with a lot of very tough Trump era restrictions. Some migrants heard that information. Some migrants heard information from smugglers who lied to them and said the border was just open. Uh, and a lot of people came because of those messages. And I think that's what the Trump campaign uh, said during 2020 and what a lot of Republicans said would happen, that if Biden was elected, that, you know, the, the uh, migrants would start streaming in again because they, you know, the Biden has a reputation of being soft on the border. I'm using air quotes here. So the reputation part of it definitely matters um, because that's something that people can perceive anywhere, but it's also what uh, smugglers do with that information and how they manipulate that information or exaggerate that information or just straight up lie to try to encourage people to give them money to get to the U.S. Um, so that's a big part of it. And then there's a ton of push factors that we also have to mention, just economic turmoil, political turmoil, chaos in Haiti, you know, um, political problems in Venezuela, oppressive regime there, stuff like that that's pushing people out of their homes. Yeah, I think if you focus on the domestic political situation in the U.S., you forget about that, the, the reasons that make people want to leave in the first place. And it sounds like those reasons are, are getting worse. In a lot of places, for sure. That's why we're seeing just big spikes from places we weren't always seeing spikes from. Um, you know, Cuba, Nicaragua, Venezuela, Haiti, we mentioned. So let's get into the transition from Trump to Biden. I mean, I think if there's one single policy that uh, Donald Trump was associated with during his presidency was being very, very tough on the border. Some might even say bordering on inhumane. And, you know, when President Biden took office, I think, it, you know, it was generally believed by a lot of people that that would reverse, that the policies would, would loosen up. Based on your story, though, it sounds like there's a lot that hasn't changed on the border in the last two years. That I found really surprising. Can you explain that? Yeah, it's been a mixed bag under Biden in terms of uh, embracing Trump era policies, tweaking Trump era policies, doing away with them. Um, it depends on which one you're talking about. So if we want to look at a couple different examples, Title 42, that's a COVID-related border restriction that allows U.S. officials to just expel um, people who are coming to the border, even if they would like to seek asylum. President Biden, the Biden administration kept Title 42 in place for over a year um, after taking office with 
immigrants' rights advocates saying, this is inhumane, like you have to get rid of this. They kept it in place for over a year. Then they finally decided to get rid of it, but they were blocked in court. So it's actually still in place today. So that's one example of how they kept a Trump era policy for a while, then tried to get rid of it, then the courts got involved. Remain in Mexico is a little bit different. That's a policy that forces, from the Trump era, that forces migrants um, to wait in Mexico while their claims for protection in the U.S. are being considered. So that policy Biden sought to end pretty quickly after taking office, and that decision was very quickly blocked in court. So there you have the courts playing the, the, the lead role there. Um, and that's still kind of ping-ponging in court right now, by the way. Um, there are other things like not turning away unaccompanied children at the border, not subjecting them to Title 42 uh, that Biden has been really consistent on. One of the most interesting things that I saw uh, in your story is the concept of family detention. And this is where migrants who come across the border with children are detained as well instead of being uh, set free and, and waiting for their immigration hearing. This was extraordinarily controversial in the Trump administration. Uh, it sounds like the Biden administration stopped doing this, but there is some talk of restarting it. The fact that there's even talk of restarting that was really surprising to me. What's going on here? So yeah, the Biden administration has said that there have been conversations about restarting uh, family detention in some kind of systematic way, but they have stressed repeatedly that no decision has been made and that you know they want all ideas to be able to come to the table and then they'll talk about what makes sense. So there's no decision there. During the Trump administration, um, family detention was controversial. What was even more controversial though was family separation and family separation is not on the table during the Biden administration. That's when children were actually separated from their parents. Right. Okay, so let's talk about some of the folks that you spoke to when you were in Texas. Uh, I want to start off with Chris Cabrera. He is one of the leaders of the Border Patrol Agents Union. Uh, he seemed pretty unhappy with how things were going. I was a little surprised by that, though, because uh, based on what we just talked about, it sounds like Border Patrol agents are not as extremely overworked as they were just, uh, you know, a couple years ago. What's going on? Why is he still unsatisfied with how things are going for, for his agents that he represents? So first of all, the uh, Border Patrol Union, it's called the National Border Patrol Council. It is very critical of the Biden administration in general. Um, it's known for that. Chris Cabrera, uh, is, who's a vice president for the group, he's frustrated because a lot of the other agents that um, the council represents, you know, they are still having to do quite a bit of desk work and kind of migrant care rather than being out in the field. It was interesting the way that he described it to me. He said, you know, what drew him and what draws a lot of agents to the job is this idea of catching the bad guys. Um, when you have families who are coming across the river and surrendering and just seeking help, that's a different kind of work. And it's something that, you know, it's, there's this whole humanitarian aspect to it. And he said, you know, that's not, it's not that he minds doing that. It's just that the volumes are very high, um, or they have been over the past couple of years. It is quite a lot of work. And it's not that law enforcement work that he and others signed up to do. Um, the administration has added, uh, and Congress provided funding, to add a bunch of um, new positions called processing coordinators. 
And those help a lot because they do a bunch of the desk work and the migrant care work that the border agents have been doing. Um, and it allows the agents to get back in the field, but there still aren't enough of them. So they're still ramping that up. So for now, like some agents are still doing more of that type of work that they didn't sign up for. I see. So it's, I guess what he's saying is, you know, hey, we signed up to basically be like cops, essentially, and we're actually social workers. And that's not what we want to be doing. Is that a, a fair characterization of his view? Yeah, I think that that's fair, um, a, a fair characterization of how he sees it and how a lot of agents see it. Again, like more of them, some of them are, are more inclined um, to want to do the humanitarian aspect of the work. Um, but others, you know, they, they want to be out in the field, like on the chase, having the adrenaline and satisfaction of like catching somebody who's trying to smuggle drugs or what have you. So let's talk about someone else, Raul Ortiz, who is the head of the Border Patrol. Uh, and he, of course, is not covered by... Chris Cabrera's union because he's in management. Um, but it sounds like he shares a lot of Chris's views there, which was really surprising. Another thing that was surprising is how frank he was in uh, being critical of the Biden administration, who, uh, let's face it, he works for. You know, he, uh, his boss's 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 boss's, you know, to the nth degree is President Joe Biden. Um, what's going on here? Why is he, you know, biting the hand that feeds him, for lack of a better word? Chief Ortiz has, you know, he started with the Border Patrol 30 years ago. Um, he has so many years as an agent. He really sees things on the ground for what they are. And even though he was selected by President Biden for this role, he is not a politician. And you're right. He does. Um, he is a lot more candid than a lot of administration officials. Let's talk about what he actually said. What, what are his, um, I guess, you know, criticisms of the way things are going? So he made a couple of points uh, while I was at the border, both at the congressional field hearing and in an interview. First of all, he thinks President Biden made a mistake by stopping border wall construction. Uh, Biden stopped most border wall construction that had started under Trump and has since allowed like certain sections to be finished, um, but a lot of it remains unfinished and will remain that way for the foreseeable future. So uh, Chief Ortiz thinks that was a mistake. Um, he thinks walls in strategic areas are are quite effective. He says not from sea to shining sea, but he thinks they, they do belong in certain areas um, and certain gaps need to be filled. He also said that some border patrol sectors have been overwhelmed and that's a problem. He said uh, the U.S. does not have uh, what's called operational control of the entire border. That's a technical term that means like not letting any illegal crossings happen. Um, but it's been something that the Biden administration has been very resistant to kind of um, tangle with Congress on rhetorically. And Chief Ortiz just said straightforwardly, like, no, we do not have operational control of the whole border. So that was really significant. Yeah. Um, well, I don't think that... Uh Chief Ortiz is going to get his wish and have uh, the Biden administration restart the border wall anytime soon. That seems like a, you know, political lead balloon. Um, but what politically can happen? I already know the answer to this question because, uh, you know, I follow the news just like you do. There's, a, you know, razor thin majorities in both chambers of Congress. Um, it just doesn't seem like anything can possibly get through and get to the president's desk and get signed by the president. Nobody's happy with the situation, but it doesn't sound like it's going to be changing anytime soon. Is that a, a fair summary of what's happening? I'd say it's pretty fair, um, but I would point out a couple distinctions. Um, comprehensive immigration legislation 
agree. That's not going anywhere anytime soon, despite some really strong efforts toward it. Uh, I think people are trying to build foundations for that, and maybe they can continue building on those foundations in the next Congress. Um, But that is unlikely to get hashed out this session. Border legislation, border-specific legislation, we'll see. So House Republicans are trying to put together a border package. Whatever they do, it would have to be scaled back dramatically from what they've talked about in order for it to get through the Senate, um, which is controlled by Democrats. There are plenty of Democrats who would sign on for some border-specific legislation, but it has to be quite moderate. Um, And I could see Biden signing something that is very moderate, that's focused on like traditionally more bipartisan ideas, like increasing technology at the border and like maybe strengthening the border patrol. Interesting. So that is not what I expected you to say. It sounds like there is actually sort of a possibility that we might see legislation. But I would say, again, this would depend on Republicans dramatically scaling back what they've put forth so far. And like, that's a political question for them. Do they want to do that? Or do they want to pass something big and dramatic that's just not going to become law, but they get points for trying? That's legislation that uh, may pass. Uh, Let's talk about legislation that has to pass. uh, And that's the uh, annual funding bill that uh, keeps the government funded. You know, we saw a really long government shutdown uh, recently over DHS funding. Uh, That's funding for the agency that handles the border. Are we going to see that again? The fiscal year ends on September 30th of this year. Uh, Are we going to see a potential, you know, shutdown or sort of a a brinksmanship situation over border funding and DHS funding overall? I'd say it's always safe to bet on congressional brinkmanship. Um, But whether the government actually shuts down, I don't know. The conventional wisdom is like nobody actually wants a shutdown. Is that the case this year? Like so far, I think so. But, you know, six months from now, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure what the political situation is going to be. And there's this whole separate complicated fight over the debt ceiling um, that's injecting a lot of uncertainty and drama into the process, and that could affect the appropriations process as well, just as a tangential bargaining chip uh, in that in that negotiation. Yeah, I guess in this year, you know, unlike a few years ago where the main sticking point was funding for the border wall and funding for DHS, this year it seems like there could be like a dozen different things that cause a shutdown, uh, DHS funding being just one of them. Yeah, and I wouldn't. I, I still wouldn't say that I think a shutdown is likely. Um, I do think they want to get the government funded, they may just have to uh, make some really, really hard compromises uh, to make that happen because you've got Democrats controlling the Senate, you have Republicans controlling the House, you have different factions among Republicans in terms of like what type of federal funding is appropriate. And I don't think people want to shut down the government, but they may have to make some like pretty big cuts to agencies that are hard um, in order to get a deal done. Okay, and then finally, let's talk about the courts. Um, You know, sometimes when Congress can't act and the executive branch can't act, the judiciary uh, takes up the slack and uh, does it for them. Uh, Are there any pending cases uh, that are going through the courts right now where there could be a judicial ruling that, that forces agencies to take action here? There's always a lot of a lot of cases happening in the immigration space, and right now is is no different. Um, interestingly, the Supreme Court had a Title 42 case that they were supposed to hear earlier this year, and then they just canceled arguments without explanation. 
presumably because Title 42 is due to end in May. Um, also, though, you could see re um, upcoming court decisions on DACA, which is the program for dreamers um, who came into the U.S. as children and are um, undocumented. So that'll be a huge deal when that happens. We've seen tons of DACA litigation over the years, and right now the program is intact, um, but it's kind of on thin ice. So look for that. You could see other court decisions on Remain in Mexico, which, like we mentioned earlier, is still ping-ponging in the courts. So keep an eye on that. Um, and then there are a lot of immigration enforcement cases in the court that deal with like whether all immigrants who cross the border without authorization have to be detained. That's a big legal question that uh, some conservatives are pushing to the courts right now. A number of other like specific policy issues and likely more litigation to come as the Biden administration crafts policies um, to kind of manage the border when Title 42 goes away. All right, well, that was Ellen Gilmer uh, talking with us from the bustling uh, BGov headquarters in Washington, D.C. Uh, Ellen, thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. And that'll do it for today's episode of On the Merits. It was produced by myself, David Schultz. Our editor is Andrew Satter, and our executive producer is Josh Block. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and see you next week. In a global tax landscape that changes by the day, it's what you don't know that can leave you exposed. At Bloomberg Tax, we provide market-leading intelligence and practical applications to help tax professionals work smarter, faster, and more accurately. Our solutions provide the insights you need for game-changing outcomes. To revolutionize your performance in real time, the difference is Bloomberg Tax. Learn more at pro.bloombergtax.com.